You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the podcast. And I know that I said Wednesday, but we were recording this Tuesday night. But news like this does not wait, Brian. Larry Kriskoviak dismissed at the University of Utah as the head coach of the men's basketball program. Pretty big move by Mark Harlan. And that is the topic. That is the only topic we're discussing on today's podcast. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise, but the timing of it makes sense if you're going to make a move in terms of of a change at head coach. It was a little bit initially unclear what the exact status was regarding the exit of Larry Kriskoviak from the Utah basketball program. Uh, Initial reports said that it was a resignation or a mutual parting of ways, at which point Mark Harlan released a very strongly worded statement stating that this was a change at the leadership of the program program and that they would be conducting a nationwide search to find his replacement. Yeah, so we're going to dig into that. We'll dig into what may have led to this decision by Mark Harlan. We'll even take an early look at guys that we think will be candidates for uh, the job to replace Larry Kriskoviak. So there's plenty to get to ahead on today's show. Let's waste no more time. Let's get into it here. This is the Locked On Utes podcast for March 17th, 2021. Once again, welcome into Locked On Utes, your daily podcast focused on all things Utah athletics. My name is Jay Catch. That is Brian Brown. We are your co-host tandem covering all things Utes every single day here. Brian, I think we have some people who are probably checking out this podcast for the first time due to the uh, subject that we're talking about today. We want to encourage everybody, though, if you're new to the show, welcome on in. Make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button and join us every single day because our goal here is to make you guys the smartest Utah fans that are out there when it comes to talking about the Utes. That's what we do here, Jake. We talk Utes and only Utes, and we talk it in depth every single day. You will not find a more consistent source of Utah athletics news, notes, and updates than the Locked on Utes podcast. Plus, you get to hear the lovely Jake Hatch share his opinions, and you have to deal with me gargling into the microphone every single day, pretending that I'm an animal, uh, trying to encourage people to write funny reviews and making terrible jokes and quoting movies on every Friday, which I'm not sure everybody has noticed yet. One thing other people need to realize is you are a true Utah insider. So let's let's have some fun and dig into this. Let's start off with just with the news straight up. Larry Kriskoviak is out as the head men's basketball coach at the University of Utah, Uh, a nearly decade long run at Utah. And Brian, in all honesty, I think that this dismissal uh, got a little caught up, as you mentioned in the open of this podcast, with regards to the uh, circumstances around how things went down. There were some initial reports from certain writers, and trust me, these are guys that I trust have rock-solid information. I am not going to say that they don't because I know these guys. I work in the same industry as them. I know when people tell you things, you go with it. And it was originally people
people saying that it may have been a resignation, Larry stepping down from the position, but then the statement comes out from Utah and athletic director Mark Harlan, and I'll read it right now. Quote, today I informed head men's basketball coach Larry Kraskoviak that I'm making a change in the leadership of our men's basketball program. The decision comes after a thorough evaluation of the program, both on and off the court, as I do with every head coach at the conclusion of their seasons. Ultimately, our program needs a new voice, new vision, and a new leader who can build upon Larry's foundation and lead us to greater heights in the years ahead. Larry has always been dedicated to our student-athletes, to our university, and to the Salt Lake City community, and I am grateful for his decade of service to the University of Utah. In addition, he and his wife, Jan, have been incredibly, incredibly generous in supporting university and community initiatives. I want to wish Larry, Jan, and their family the very best. And then he adds this on the very end. The costs associated with this termination and the hiring of a new head coach and staff will be fully funded from athletically generated resources. We will launch an immediate national search for a new head coach, unquote. Yeah, a really interesting statement from Mark Harlan making it very clear that it was his decision to let go of Larry Kruskoviak. I think the initial confusion was there were some... Uh, rumors floating around in weeks previous that maybe Larry Kruskoviak was thinking about resigning. That was really what I was expecting you know, to happen here with this situation. And then we saw Larry step up after the double OT game said he wanted everybody back. He wanted to come back. He was invested in the team. I wonder if something changed in his mind or in his mindset between the time that we'd heard that it's been a tough year for their family and for him across the board. There's no doubt about it. And, and we really have seen, in fullness how hard COVID has been for coaches all across the country. So this is not just an excuse up at Utah, but Harlan bringing the very strong statement that they are making a change that he wants to go in a different direction. He was not willing to wait any longer for Kraskoviak to try and write the ship, which he had done initially at the university of Utah, but then through a series of departures and, and missteps with, with scheduling, the team never made it to the tournament for the last five years. And I think for Mark Harlan and, and the feedback that he was getting from fans and boosters, it was just time to make a move. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And there was a lot of consternation. You and I had talked about this throughout this season on, on social media with regards to the situation, the, the contract status, this, the job situation that Larry Kraskoviak found himself in. I think one thing we need to acknowledge here, Brian, is in his first five years, so the, the first, I guess the first half, a, half of a decade that Larry was up on the hill at the University of Utah, he accomplished a lot of great things. And I, I'm, I, I'm of the opinion that these final five years they've not been to the NCAA tournament in the past five years Brian I am of the opinion that because of what guys like Mark Pope is doing at BYU what Craig Smith is doing at Utah State your chief two rivals in state that are quote-unquote non-power five or quote-unquote mid-major schools the fact that they're going to the big dance uh, in the case of Utah State likely would have been three years in a row had the tournament not been canceled last year BYU two years in a row that I think ratcheted up the pressure and I think it may have forced uh, Mark Harlan's hand in a little bit of a in a little way that that direction without a doubt and this is the flagship program of the state of Utah and for that program with a proud basketball history we should add uh, for that program not to at least attempt to make the tournament or, or be close to making the tournament for the last five years I think is is the bottom line and I think that's where 
Harlan had to make a tough decision. And, and we've talked a lot about the, the the reasons to not make a decision, right? The risk of losing almost the entire roster to the transfer portal if Larry were to depart. We talked about the four most critical pieces, and it remains to be seen if any of those will stay around. I think Ian Martinez will be here as long as his father is employed at the University of Utah. So that adds another bit of intrigue to the whole situation. So the next incoming coach decided to keep Henry, you know, will there be a relationship built with Pella Larson and Mickey Yanton and two players who essentially came to the University of Utah due to the ties that they have with Hanno Medela, who had built a strong relationship with the university, obviously, through his playing days and since then, and also with Larry Kraskoviak. Also remains to be seen who will stay from the current uh, assistants. You know, with Tommy Connor been here a long time, uh, really strong Utah pedigree. Uh, we saw Donnie Daniels resign uh, or retire, retire, I should say, yeah. well, which maybe that was a little indicator that, that yeah. things were about to change. Hard to say. Well, and if you didn't mention Jonesy as well, Chris Jones. Yeah. Like, obviously, Riley Chris Jones, Jones, his son. That there, There's a lot of different moving parts with regards to this move. And I, and I guarantee you this. Mark Harlan has probably weighed every single one of these factors in making this decision because he, I think, above all else, understands what a move of this magnitude will mean for this program that has been in some form of upheaval seemingly for the last five years. seems like every year people, we talked about yesterday's podcast or today's podcast, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, we talked about the fact that the transfers were just kind of an annual tradition. And you and I both were of the opinion that these two transfers they'd already had, and I'm guaranteeing there's going to be more than that coming now with this dismissal. But we thought that the transfers this year were just guys looking for a chance to play. And that happens every year in every program across the sport. But this is a move that is going to create shockwaves throughout this entire program because Ryland Jones and his father probably are a tandem deal. You mentioned the Martinez family. They're a tandem deal probably. This is going to cause whoever the new head coach is going to have to come in and re-recruit this entire roster. This is not an easy decision to make, especially in the era of the transfer portal and potentially the immediate eligibility of these players with regards to current pending legislation with the NCAA. So there is a lot to dig into with regards to that. But I, I I trust that Mark Harlan has done his homework, has kind of weighed the positives, the negatives of all of this, and decided, you know what, it's just time to make a move. It, and it, it really probably was, in, in all honesty. I think uh, the program had really kind of stalled out, and the fact that they were now restarting for the third time, I, I don't think anybody can afford to make that 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 non-decision to, to yeah. allow him to stay. I think probably the biggest factor was uh, financial and, and Harlan made it very clear in the statement that uh, the change will be fully funded from athletically generated resources. So not, str- not, not, entirely booster related but very cleverly worded there by mark harlan apparently he's been playing in our estimation as well so yeah. uh but big news coming out of the university of utah without a doubt so brian I, I, coming up here in just a minute i do want to talk about mark harlan and a little bit about his background because this is a guy who is driven and wants success and i think he understands the importance of the utah basketball program to this university i think you and i we grew up in the era of the 1990s with rick majerus leading them to the national title 
title game in 98. It seemed like every year that they had a decent program, they were Sweet 16 or, or bust. That was like the bare minimum of what they would accomplish. So we need to dig into what he might be thinking here, a little bit more on his background with regards to making coaching changes. And then later, a little later on, we'll get your guys' comments on the show. I threw it out on Twitter, asked for people to send in their comments. We'll get to those. Also give you some thoughts on some early guys to to – Put in your, I guess, the back of your mind for candidates for this job. That's all coming up here momentarily. We do need to take a minute, though, first off here and talk about our friends at Blue Chew, Brian. This episode of Locked On Utes is sponsored by our good friends at Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom, and they do it really simply, Brian. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra or Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew combats all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Jake, you and I know what it takes to perform under pressure. We do it every single day here on the Locked on Utes podcast, but we also understand that sometimes you want to be discreet in, in making sure that your performance shines. That's why Blue Chew is a great online prescription service. No visit to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy so people have to see you actually pick it up. Plus, it's chewable, which can't beat that when you get a nice easy chewable tablet that ships right to your door yeah we encourage you guys to check it out so if you think you could benefit from extra confidence for when it's time to perform visit bluechew.com right now for more details and important safety information and of course we've got a special offer for you guys our listeners try blue chew free when you use the promo code locked on at checkout just pay the five dollars for shipping yeah you heard that right five dollars for shipping that's bluechew.com promo code locked on receive your first month free and we thank blue chew for sponsoring the locked on utes podcast Cast. Brian, you and I love this company. It's our friends at Built Bar. We've been telling them seemingly for months now. It is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate covering all of their bars. But Brian, now it is time to find out which of the Built Bars is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. And every flavor is fighting for the championship, Jake. Yes, I don't even know what voice that is, but I am so excited about this. Today's matchup, or yeah, today's matchup, coconut almond versus peanut butter brownie. Woo! Wow, that's a heavyweight matchup here in the Sweet 16. I'm not going to lie. I am going to opt for peanut butter brownie myself, but the best part about this, Brian, and by the way, where are you going? Which one are you going to go on this? I am a coconut almond fan through Ooh. and through. So we are the coconut. I'm not normally a coconut guy, but when it comes to built bar, sign me up. Okay, so we are on opposite sides here, but you guys can have your say as well. Check it out. Go to builtbar.com, cast your vote there, or go, follow them on Twitter at bar underscore built. You can make sure you have your uh, chance to weigh in on what you like about built bar, which is your favorite. You can help them make it to the uh, the championship. They're calling it the championship. I know Patrick Kinahan is going to have something to say about that but nonetheless there's a huge offer for our listeners brian fill them in on what they can do you can go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on 15 to get 15 percent off your next order and you can get every single one of the flavors in the built bar madness jake and you can sample them yourself you can build your own bracket on the wall you can move the bars down individually and eat the ones that lose and take your favorite ones to the championship or championship excuse me you can create your own enticing eight you can create your own flavorful four i'm getting out of control we better end this read while we can jake yeah so take advantage of it now builtbar.com locked on 15 for 15 percent off your next order and enjoy the best tasting protein bars anywhere with built bar 
Brian, of course, everybody knows that we are covering the Utes day in and day out here on this podcast. We want to encourage you guys to check out the Locked On Today podcast. It's essentially your chance to catch up on everything else going on in the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Peter Bukowski hosts it every single day. It's a great addition to your podcast lineup. You can download it wherever you get your podcast and cannot encourage you guys enough to take advantage of it. It's a fantastic, fantastic product. All right, Brian, uh, diving back in here on the Larry Kraskoviak news. Let's take a moment here and talk about Mark Harlan. This is a guy, when he came to the University of Utah, to put it lightly, he wants results. He is a results-oriented athletic director, and when a program is not operating at peak efficiency or peak um, capacity, in his opinion, he is not afraid to pull the trigger. And this goes back to his days at USF, uh, even back further to his days at UCLA and Arizona as an athletic director or a deputy AD. It does, and and he's proven that he is not going to allow mediocrity in any of his programs and that he is willing to make those difficult decisions. He does not hold sentimentality or anything like that you know above performance which is in this industry is is how you have to operate an athletic department uh he proved that with the hire with his initial hire at uh south florida when he arrived in 2014 hired orlando antigua to be the head basketball coach mm-hmm. antigua did not perform well at all there uh his record was um let me pull that up. I had it earlier. Sorry. It was nine and 23, eight and 25, and then six and seven and was fired mid year by Mark Harlan uh, after that. So again, proving that he is not going to, you know, put up with mediocrity. He moved on from Antigua to Brian Gregory. Uh, Gregory has never made an NCAA tournament appearance while he's at USF, but he has brought the program forward. Um, and so that that's what we look forward to. Now with the University of Utah, right? Yes. Is is what what will Mark Harlan value as he decides to make this this change? Yeah, and that that I I don't think any of us can answer that specifically outside of getting Mark Harlan to speak on it directly. And I'm not sure you'd ever get a straight answer out of him on that. But it will be interesting, yes, to see what he values, what he wants, and which direction he kind of wants this program to take. Well, I not, not take, but which program, which direction he wants this program to go. And obviously, he wants it to go up. But this is just something that's a very very interesting situation all the way around because. This is, if I'm not mistaken, Brian, the first, I guess what we'd call major fire slash hire for Harlan in his time up on the hill in Salt Lake City. Am I missing anybody? No, no. And and there have been changes, you know, made up there in the athletic department in various roles. Sure. Uh, but as far as coaches go, this is really his first major hire. Uh, I thought that he navigated a difficult situation over the summer with Morgan Scally rather well. Um, but that was a situation that was more of a broader university issue. And, and so there was input from multiple sources. I would I would put it that way um, in favor of Morgan Scally. Uh, so I think that probably influenced Harlan in terms of, of of keeping him with the program uh, that and I, you know, overall Scally's performance record was, was very high. Um, that's kind of where we're going to sit right now. In, in terms of this is, is who can make this program great again? Uh, who can bring it back to where it was, you know, in the, the, 
the 90s and throughout that time period where they were excelling. We've talked over and over again, the proud history of this program. The facilities up there are top-notch. Huntsman Center, to this day, is still one of the greatest places to watch a basketball game. And I think there are a ton of Utah fans out there that are very frustrated by the lack of support, both in the seats um, and otherwise for the basketball program, and want that to change. And, and so Harlan, hearing their voices, not going to mess around, not going to suffer the fools any, any longer, so to speak, has made this change. And I would expect him to move rather quickly in the hiring process as well, wouldn't you? Uh, you would you would imagine so. And it's all going to be dependent on him being able to get uh, interviews with the people he wants to talk to. Obviously, that that's a whole that's a whole thing that's going to have to just kind of play out on the timeline. But I would imagine you're right that he tries to move on this relatively quickly. Uh, one thing, Brian, and I think uh, some of our listeners probably are wondering this, and I saw this on social media, uh, people talking about it. Well, what is his track? record in terms of his higher and fire. You mentioned Orlando Antigua did not have a good run at USF and some credit needs to go to Harlan because that was a hire he made and then he pulls the plug midway through year three and says, you know what, this ain't work and we're going a different direction. You looked this up. You looked up his hiring record while he was down there in Tampa with the USF Bulls. What does the record show? Yeah, it's, it, you know, like I said, Antigua was not a very successful head coach. He comes from an interesting coaching uh, coaching tree, I should say, um, where, uh, you know, he had a, a strong background um, as a uh, assistant coach with John Calipari. Um, started out in Memphis, moved to Kentucky, and then was hired at South Florida. Now he's currently an assistant with Brad Underwood at, at Illinois. Okay. So some some background with that. Also, Brian Gregory, who was named the, the head coach after that in 2017, still with USF, enters his fourth season with the Bulls. Uh, one postseason appearance under Gregory, then that was the CIB Invitational. They never made an, an NCAA tournament uh dance so the basketball hirings may be a little bit left to, to be desired at South Florida he was also supposedly involved in the hiring of, of Steve Alford at UCLA I've never been able to confirm what level, what level to that to what level he was involved with that hiring yeah. um, but it is clear that Harlan does does know when to make a move, and he is very aggressive in pursuing those moves. Absolutely. And uh, his USF hires down there, I believe Willie Taggart uh, was a hire that he made with the Bulls before he came to Utah. So, yeah, you can you can make of his hiring and firing record, his track record as an AD, what it may be. But I, I agree with you on that point, Brian. This is a guy who is not afraid to pull the trigger, and he is of the belief that this is the time for Utah basketball to hit the reset button to a degree. And I'm going to acknowledge one thing here, and this is just my personal opinion, is that Larry Kriskoviak leaves this job up at uh, up at the Huntsman Center, just at the uh, up at the University of Utah, in a much better spot than it was a decade ago when he showed up, because it was a smoldering pile of you know what when he first took that job. And I do need to acknowledge that he did some pretty incredible things to put it on a much better footing for whoever is going to succeed him and whoever Mark Harlan decides to hire. Yeah, Chris Koviak did a great job initially of, of resurrecting that program from the ashes. Unfortunately, the game changed a lot under his his tenure as head coach in, in both scheduling and in terms of managed player management. And, and Larry was just slow to react. I think 
we talk a lot about the on the court performance off the court they're, they're hard to find better people than Larry Kriskoviak I think a lot of what he and his wife Jan did for the community ran under the radar the the amount of scholarships that they provided at, for the University of Utah outside of even the athletic department um, was never really publicized all the community work and, and the amount of money that they donated you know it was finally released this year during the COVID era that he gave almost half a million dollars back to the U um, under duress and everything like that but that was a pretty typical thing for for he and his family you know we we can talk about that all you want i think you know by comparison with the move made with guy holiday everybody was very you know empathetic when when guy was let go because guy was such a great self-promoter and, and larry kriskoviak was not that um you know there was never really a strong connection with larry and the fan base with with larry and the media uh, he was very much a guy that was content to just go do his work yeah. and be about it and not not really put up with any of the guff and unfortunately in this era that's just not the way that you can survive in this business especially not at a pack or a power five institution like utah so i think those are other other considerations that harlan has to look at and you look at mark harlan himself he is an excellent self-promoter you know he's very good at getting out there and very uh thorough in, in in making sure that statements are released that they're worded properly uh his work on twitter i think is very very well uh received by utah fans and his interactions and in his um willingness to discuss and, and and receive um i guess criticism through that yeah. medium and so i think that's really helped him to establish a, a very favorable uh perception with utah fans and i think he'll look for someone similar in in terms of his coach you are correct jake he did hire willie taggart he also hired charlie strong there as well oh, so, so he, he did make the hire of charlie strong then okay well, that you see, that I think some people will have their opinions on that front with the football side of things with regards to USF. But nonetheless, you're right. He is a is a person who has the belief that he can get the right man for the job, and we'll have to sit back and see what he does. And as we all like to say, the proof will be in the pudding. That's the ultimate thing. And Brian, I think that brings us to I think the last big topic of this podcast are who are some of the early names that fans should be paying attention to with regards to this opening. I also want to get some comments. I threw it out on Twitter. What what are your guys' thoughts on Larry Kriskoviak being dismissed at the University of Utah? We'll touch on all of that here momentarily. Before we do that, though, let's take a minute and talk about our friends at betonline.ag. Brian, you and I both know that BetOnline is the best place to place your bets no matter what it might be. NBA, college hoops, hockey, golf, baseball's upcoming. And even if you're award shows, uh, reality TV, I know some people out there are Bachelor fans. It ain't for me. But if you are into that, you can bet on all of it at betonline.ag. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, Jake. Whatever bet you can come up with, BetOnline is going to give you those odds. They have you covered for all the news scores and updates. It is the best way to place your bets, and it is free and easy to sign up. Just go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. You can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. This is simple math, Jake. If I give you $200, they give you $300. Yeah, simple as that. Pretty simple. Yeah. Like, if you want some free money to bet with, use that promo code locked on at betonline.ag. You get a 50% welcome bonus and join the ranks of us, like Brian and I, who are having fun with our friends at Bet Online. They are, of course, your online sports book experts. 
Guys, are you guys ready for the NFL Draft? Join Locked On NFL Draft host Trevor Sikama and Benjamin Solak as they give you their latest positional rankings and analysis on the 2021 draft prospects with team-centric guest mocks right around the corner. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian, uh, continuing on here, obviously the news with Larry Kraskoviak dominating the headlines as it should. Now let's turn our attention to the future of the Utah basketball program. Who and uh, what candidates are out there that we think are going to be in the mix for this job? If you don't mind, I'm going to mention two right off the top because of the, 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 the two lowest hanging fruit, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but of course they're former Utah players. And that would be Alex Jensen and Johnny Bryant. Both of them are now lead assistants in the NFL. Alex is with the Utah Jazz, has been there for a long time. Johnny Bryant recently left the Utah Jazz this past offseason to assume the head uh, assistant job with the New York Knicks. Both of them former Utes, very proud Utes at that, and obviously they're going to be names that are going to be prominent until they say that they are not interested. Absolutely. Alex Jensen, one of the premier players during the Rick Majerus era, was an assistant coach with Majerus, has college yes. uh, assistant coaching experience, understands the recruiting process. Uh, be interesting to see if he has any interest in a job at the University of Utah because his situation with the Utah Jazz is very solid. He has a great relationship with Quinn Snyder. He has a lot of job stability. He's well-respected in the organization. And... Uh, First time head coach, you never really know how the, those are those pan out. You know, Johnny Bryan, I think, would definitely have interest in the job if he were con contacted. Uh, extremely strong uh, player development background and experience. A lot of great ties with with former NBA players and current NBA players from his experience with Utah Jazz and training players individually. Uh, again, same situation with Bryant, right? No head coaching experience. Never coached at the college level. If anything, this year I saw how prolifically different the two games are the nba and college basketball are not the same um and, and so you'd have to you'd have to expect him to go after maybe some uh very experienced assistant coaches and maybe that would be the optimal situation in keeping tommy connor and, and chris jones and and henry martinez on staff as you go after a johnny bryant who can lean on them for experience uh but has the charisma and the player development background uh to sell himself in the room uh another couple candidates that I, i've come up with in just thinking you know earl watson is one that makes a lot of sense has a very strong background in the aau circuit runs a an entire aau program has very, very deep ties across the West Coast in, in basketball circles, has head coaching experience with the Phoenix Suns. And I do believe that, you know, the initial uh, kind of question with Watson, if he wanted to coach at the college level, was that he had not completed his college degree. That's since been taken care of. So that would make him eligible. Plus, he's spent a lot of time on the Pac-12 network, seen the programs, knows what what to expect here in Utah and, and is just a solid guy and, and really projects well as a coach. Uh, another name that comes up for me too, you know, I think there's a lot of talk locally about Mark Pope and Craig Smith. Uh, one that kind of isn't local, but I think is very intriguing is Joe Pasternak. Yeah. The current head coach at UC Santa Barbara has a very strong uh, basketball resume, was a, a basketball analyst under Bobby Knight mm -hmm. way back in the day was his, the original video editor um, way back when uh, you know has coached uh, at, at multiple locations uh, was an assistant coach under Sean Miller with Arizona from um, 
you know, 2011, 2012 on to when he took the job with the Gauchos uh, has been absolutely dynamite ever since going to UC Santa Barbara. In fact, every single season with UC Santa Barbara has been the best in, in the Gauchos history in current and including a current NCAA berth. So I think there's a lot of candidates out there. Um, you know, I, I, Hano Medela, maybe, I don't know. There's that, that's the other, right. Is, do you go with somebody who has ties to the program previously? Do you want to take the risk on somebody with no head coaching experience, but maybe a lot of potential? Where do you put all this weight? Hano Medela would be just a really outside the box candidate because you'd be bringing him back over from Finland. He, he's doing a great job doing what he's doing over in his role over in his native homeland. But That'd just be one of those fun things because he's got the connection to the program, like you said. He's got a strong player development reputation in the international game. Would definitely help w continue the ties with the international recruiting side of things for the Utes. But I'm I'm with you, Brian. It's kind of what you balance, what you're interested in. Are you interested in player development? Johnny Bryant is your guy. He has developed multiple all-stars during his time with the NBA. He has not coached at the collegiate level, but I think he is the more likely of the two NBA guys that we're mentioning today, Alex Jensen or Johnny Bryant, I'll tell you this much. Alex Jensen is going to be a head coach in the NBA sooner rather than later. It's a matter of when, not if, with him. Johnny Bryant, a little younger and a little earlier on into his NBA career, and this may be the time for him to say, you know what, I want to go home. I want to go work for the program that I played for. I spent a lot of time in Salt Lake. Uh, I want to do that. But I'm also with you. Joe Pasternak, what he's doing with UCSB, marvelous. Uh, there, there is a lot, and there, guess what? We're mentioning just barely the, I think, the top level of different candidates out there. I think Earl Watson would be a fantastic pick, like you said. AAU circuit, his work in the NBA, both as a player and a coach, he's got a lot of stuff that goes for him. I think there's going to be no shortage of candidates for this job, and there are going to be names that probably come up in this search that we will probably be surprised by, but we probably shouldn't be because Utah, for all of the warts it may currently have in some people's eyes, it is still one of the premier college basketball jobs in this country. It is, and, and we've talked a lot about what this program has to offer. There is a rabid, rabid fan base. The Huntsman Center, when it is packed, is one of the toughest places to play in college basketball. Uh, this is a program that is very proud with a, a deep history, even beyond the Majerus years, and a lot of historical significance in terms of great moments in, in college basketball. We, uh, we don't talk nearly enough about Watt Masaka and his, his yeah. impact and what he did. Billy the Hill McGill, there is so much history to be talked about with this team. In 1979 NCAA championship where, you know, Magic versus Bird, Michigan State versus Indiana State, you know, hit, so much history surrounds this program. I think that's part of the reason why people want to see it be successful. There is also definite hurdles to overcome, right? We, we've talked about it before. The recruiting base in Utah is just not as firm as it is in other states. And you and I have both expressed the, the, the feeling that when you want to rebuild a program, almost entirely the the recipe is hit the home state hard and make sure that you establish that and and you can't miss when you're recruiting in utah you have to get the best player and that best player has to translate we've seen that before with larry kraskoviak where he missed out on guys that ended up at byu and ended up being better players than the guys that he'd gone after so that's that's definitely a 
a uh, a hurdle. I think the program's lack of success and, and lack of branding in recent years also stands as a little bit of a obstacle that you have to overcome. I think that's even more of a endorsement for a, a coach along the lines of Earl Watson, somebody who's very dynamic and charismatic and will bring some heavy sway to a program. You know, I, uh, I know that Tim Legler is a guy that's very interested in being a head coach at a basketball program. Legs, so that let's would do be a, it. Yeah, right. Like, and that's a guy that's on ESPN every single day. It's basically the Herm Edwards of basketball, right? Um, but he's also a guy that's coached at the high school level, who's been heavily involved in AAU. So, you know, if you're going to take a risk on somebody with without experience, I think you want to have that kind of hire where it can really change the outlook of your program. And then the biggest thing is that you've got to get talent in here and you the hope is absolutely that you can keep those those four guys that we talked about earlier, uh, Martinez, Yontanen, Larson, and, and Carlson, but even more so than that, you need to be like Mark Pope and get guys pumped into this okay. program who can play immediately and push it immediately. Otherwise, you're looking at a three- to four-year rebuild, in my opinion. They've got to use the transfer portal to great effect. There is no doubt about that. That is your that is one of the key things I think in this. You're gonna to have to prove that you can use the portal effectively to be an effective head coach. And I don't care what level you're coaching at in the college game right now. The transfer portal has to be part of your repertoire. All right, uh, Brian. Of course, we'll have more on this in coming days. We've gone way long on this podcast, but I think it's been a lot of fun. Did want to get to a couple of comments here from you guys on social media. I threw it out on Twitter, asking you guys for your reaction to Larry Kriskoviak's being dismissed. Dismissed. Our good friend Charles Bernard at CCB twelve. 12 says, I am hoping that I'll be able to care about Utah basketball again. The last few years, I haven't even bothered. And I think that's indicative, I think, of a large swath of this fan base, Brian, because as you mentioned, this is a rabid, huge fan base when they are properly motivated. And I think the last three or four years, a lot of people checked out. And hopefully they they will re-engage with this program and really kind of help whoever is the new head coach rebuild it. Other people, our good friend Inktator sends in the the Carlton celebration dance, the gif of him jumping on the table doing the backflip from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So apparently our good friend Inktator is very, very happy. Uh, Brian Lester said, had to be done, but the grass isn't always greener on the other side if it costs $6 million with the gritted teeth emoji. I'm going to jump in on this one real quick, Jake. We got to stop worrying about the cost of things anymore. Okay. This is an athletic department that's starting to make a hundred million dollars a year. So if you're going to start getting hung up on how much a coach costs, back up, off. back it up, Terry, back it up. I would agree with you on that. Like $6 million anymore in this day and age of college athletics, that's a figurative drop in the bucket. I know that for the layman, like people like us, $6 million is life-changing money, but at this level, it's nothing. It it really is just that's the the hard part about these optics is that we always look at things from our own perspective and and so whatever that number that comes for the coach don't gasp don't judge give him some time so even if Johnny Bryant does get hired as the Utah head coach and makes three and a half million dollars in his first year at the University of Utah understand that market economics and coaching salaries are not like they are when you're applying at the local bank or hardware store here in Salt Lake City or where wherever else you live um, and just know that it, this is a program that 
if successful, will far out 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 distance whatever costs you're going to be investing in into a coach. Uh, one thing here, Josh Newman, our good friend over the Salt Lake Tribune, uh, he tweeted out: "Doesn't sound like Utah is going to use a search firm to identify its next basketball coach." A little bit of a surprise there, especially uh, in this at this level. A lot of search firms are always seemingly involved, but apparently Mark Harlan's going to do it himself, do the legwork himself. That's kind of impressive and admirable in a way. It is, and it also exposes him to a lot of liability because I think a lot of what happens with the search firms is behind-the-scenes stuff that athletic departments don't really want to get invested, especially in terms of vetting candidates on a very deep level and whatnot. We've seen what happened with Kansas AD Jeff Long and the hiring of Les Miles. You know, a search firm, it doesn't always pan out that way, but it gives you plausible deniability if you pay a search firm to do that. But what it also tells me is that maybe Harlan already has a candidate in mind and or has had conversations with said candidate or candidates and is just simply waiting to go through the process at which point that's exciting if i'm a utah fan right because that you've got a guy lined up they can hit the ground running there are two in-state prospects that i think utah has a really promising start with uh colin chandler is the one that uh that stands out in my mind the most um from Farmington, he's he is a guy that's about to blow up. I promise everyone that he already has offers from Utah and Stanford. There will be more coming. I can I can guarantee it because he's that good. And you need to make sure that you lock up whoever you can in that 2022 class. There are other you know recruiting candidates in there. We can we'll talk about that more. This is going to be a long running issue. Uh, we'll try and also keep you updated as best we can in terms of who the University of Utah is looking at and what we're hearing. Yeah, and then one final comment here from our friend. John at Real John Norris says, I appreciate what Larry did in his 10 years, but Utah was a top-tier program with a solid history, and with the facilities we have in place, we should be an elite program. And I think that's what everybody out there uh, wants this program to get back to. I think you and I are in agreement with that, Brian. I think we'll leave that there for this edition of Locked on Utes. It's been a ton of fun uh, to dig into this. Obviously, like you said, this is going to be something that's going to carry on for weeks, potentially. We will bring you anything we hear with regards to the search candidates, uh, what Mark Harlan's thinking, all that type of stuff. We'll have that all covered for you guys. And make sure you guys stay with us every single day. Follow Locked On Utes on Twitter, at Locked On Utes. Email us if you have comments, concerns, whatever you got. Locked On Utes at gmail.com. Follow Brian on Twitter at BrownBearSLC. Myself, you can find me at Jacob C. Hatch. And I hope you guys are all having a great day whenever you hear this. Brian, any final thoughts from you on our way out? It's never a fun day to see someone lose their job, Jake. Uh, as someone who who has had that happen to them at opportunities that they were, you know, in, incredibly invested emotionally in, um, that's a disappointing aspect of it. Uh, wish my best to Larry Kraskovac and his family. They have definitely given a lot to this community. But this is a results-based business, as we always say, and that's why you tune into Locked On Utes because we bring the results, baby. Three sixteen. <laughs> Happy Stone Cold Day, my friend. All right, that's going to do it. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for March 16th and March 17th. We wanted to get it out as soon as possible, but this is officially the March 17th edition. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast.